Being with your changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by Rollbar. Rollbar is real-time error monitoring, alerting, and analytics that helps you resolve production errors in minutes. And I talked with Paul Bigger, the founder of CircleCI, a trusted customer of Rollbar, and Paul says they don't deploy a service without installing Rollbar first. It's that crucial to them. We operate at serious scale, and literally the first thing we do when we create a new service is is we install Rollbar in it. Like we, we need to have that visibility, uh, and without that visibility, it would be impossible to run at the scale we do and certainly with the number of people that we have. Like we're a relatively small team operating a major service and without the visibility that Robot gives us into our exceptions, it just it just wouldn't be possible. Alright, if you want to follow in Paul's footsteps and start deploying with confidence today, head to rollbar.com slash changelog. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog. Welcome to JS Party, a weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. Tune in live on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time during the show at changelaw.com slash community. Follow us on Twitter. We're at JSPartyFM. And now on to the show. Welcome to a new JS Party. Woo. We are here with... Khalil Lachelle. Did I, I've never said your last name. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, you pronounce it the American way uh, in a correct way. Perfect. <laughs> How do you say it? Perfection. Lächelt. 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 Is that French or German? It's German. It is German. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So today we're talking about mentorship, and I invited Khalil on because he's been my mentor at LogMeIn for the past nearly two years. Uh, we started on the same day this year, March 1st. So this year, what am I saying? Two years ago, almost. And so, yeah, we're talking about mentorship, which is kind of, it's a topic that is widely recognized as being controversial is not the right word. It's mentorship in the tech industry is kind of hard to find. And it seems like there's a shortage of good mentors and understanding what makes a good mentorship. And so I thought today, we could just discuss mentorship in the tech industry. Let's do it. Yeah. So I guess let's just kick it off talking about like our experiences with mentorship. Have we had mentors in the past? If so, what types of mentorship relationships were they? And what are some of the things that we learned from those? I'm going to kick it off to you, Khalil. So in the tech industry, I have not had any mentors, so to speak. The, the only mentors that I, I mean, not in like the traditional sense where you say, okay, this is a person that I can ask for advice. I kind of feel like that Paul Irish was my mentor without him knowing <laughs> that he was. <laughs> You're probably not the only one that feels like that. Yeah, totally, totally. But what was so weird, I met him a few times. I always failed to mention that to him, but I always felt like whenever he made a video, like for instance, back in the day, I don't know when that was, like 2010 or 11 or something like that. He made uh, one of these videos where he was talking about 10 things I learned from reading the jQuery code base. Whenever he made something like that, it was always something. At some point, I was like, "Wow, the jQuery code base at that point really seemed so daunting to me. Like, I would never think that I could understand anything that's in there." And he, 
in that video really dissected it in a way that made it easy to understand certain things. And for me personally, it always leveled me up. So whenever he made something like that, it was always exactly at the right moment what I needed in order to level up mm. in my understanding of JavaScript and JavaScript on the web and stuff like that. So for me, the best mentors in the tech world were really just uh, online people sharing things. Adi Osmani writing about frameworks or about patterns in uh, Oh, yeah, design patterns. Design patterns in, in, in JavaScript and stuff like that. That's really mostly it for me so far. That's interesting because I think we forget that I like to call it like asynchronous mentorship or like non-symbiotic uh, mentorship because mm -hmm. it's, it's purely one-sided, right? So you're not both getting something out of it. You forget that these are also mentorships. And like, I didn't realize this in some, until someone brought it up like, oh, you realize you mentor people just by the content you produce. And I'm like, oh, like, I guess you're right. I never thought about that. Yeah, abs absolutely. And you also get something out of that, obviously, because I mean, if you are the one sharing the content, because if it's good content, people level up through that, then, you know, you have a personal brand that gets built up by word of mouth, basically. So that's kind of what you're winning from that. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of a great style of leverage. I put the, the working title for this and this episode is Mentors Ship. And it's kind of a play on <laughs> words, of course, but it's it's true insofar as you know, you can be a great software developer, you can be great leading a team and managing an immediate team, but with some of this asynchronous style mentorship where you are teaching not just three or five or one person, you're teaching thousands. And I mean, think about the impact that Wes Boss has had through his teaching and instruction. Mm. Really, he's shipping so much more in that way than he is on his own. That being said, I think when we think about traditional mentorship, it is more of a two-way thing like it's like we sit in a room we talk or we have phone calls and i think that's what a lot of us are lacking because all we have is that asynchronous one way i'm learning from this person that i've never met before and that one-on-one -on -one mentorship is so powerful and so necessary in, in many cases yeah definitely i all of my experience with mentorship have been like not official but in person i would say although i so like i had one technical mentor at ibm when i worked and the way that i asked him to mentor me was i was doing like this fedication boot camp so it was a like a workshop for front-end developers it was like a hackathon kind of you thing say fedication fedication yeah like front-end development ed education yeah uh, okay and it was basically like the first three days i think we're learning all about like web performance and you know javascript frameworks like you basically it was like a boot camp for front-end development and at the end you did like a hackathon project and he was one of the instructors and so i just simply w asked him i was like do you accept mentees because like i like the way you teach and would you teach me so like if anyone's looking for a mentor just you know just be honest like you have nothing to lose just by asking someone to be your mentor um, and we can talk a little bit about like how to do that appropriately and, and what a good mentorship is in a minute. But um, so like he was a technical mentor and like we had a, a project that we were working on. I really wanted to redo my portfolio. And so like every week we'd have milestones. So I wanted to learn about Express and Node um, and we set up some routing and like every week we'd have a technical milestone and like I'd have like projects to do on my own time when we'd do code reviews. So that was really great. And then at Log Me In with you, Coolio, like it was more like a career-based mentorship and they're both so valuable in their own ways. But I do find technical mentorships maybe a little bit harder to mm -hmm. get right for me personally. With technical mentorships, I think there's always, there's so many good options to just say, hey, 
work through this West boss course or something like that, or the KC Dodds, whatever course, in order to learn these technologies that you need. And then you can always talk about it after or something like that, because I think these courses that are so, um, you know, so many of them available that are really, um, really, really good. They are almost like the best base for technical men mentorship, I think. And then going from there, you can discuss all kinds of stuff or just clarify things and stuff like that. I've noticed that often people just have trouble understanding like a, a path to learning skills. So I get a lot of messages that are like, can you mentor me in front of development? Like I want to learn you know, A, B, and C, but I just have no idea where to start. And I think a lot of the struggle for new developers is like, where do I begin? Mm -hmm. Do I go front end or back end? What's even the difference? Because um, when you're trying to learn development is really the most crucial part. I think of needing like guidance on what to learn because you're just so overwhelmed. Like, I mean, to try to balance learning HTML, CSS, JavaScript, React, Vue, like all these things and you don't know where to start, that's really hard. And I think we need to as if you're a mentor for a new developer, I think guidance is the best thing you can do for them, not necessarily sitting down and, you know, yeah, you might want to like whiteboard or do code reviews, but I think just helping them understand the right path for them is really useful. Mm. So what is a mentor exactly? So, ooh, now you're asking the questions. I like it. Mm. So to me, I think a mentor is someone... A mentorship is a is a relationship between a professional relationship between two people where you have a mentee who is typically the one looking to gain knowledge and experience and the mentor who is sharing their knowledge and experience. But I think an important caveat is that they should be bi-directional, right? Like as a mentor, you should also be learning from your mentee. Um, and you can do that just by explaining things to people using analogies or just learning to explain how um, these low-level concepts you know, at a high level. And we kind of forget that, like, as mentors, you can also be learning from your mentees, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so that's my interpretation of it. But I don't know. What do you think? I've never had a formal mentorship. But that being said, I do have, I have had mentors. And I can look back and say this person dedicated time and resources to me when I was younger and less experienced and wisdom that they had gained via experience and in their own life and have given me gems that I've taken forward and try to pass on as well. Like I've had that for sure. And I can name names on that, but I've never had like a formal technical mentorship, but more like life and business mentorship. So it's harder for me to define it in like a professional technical term, but absolutely this relationship where you have one person who is really removing barriers to progress and the person who has presenting the barriers in front of them, you know, because that's a lot of what we have in our industry is I have this goal in mind, whatever that goal happens to be. And I don't necessarily know how to get to where I'm trying to go or I'm down that path a ways and I'm stuck. And the mentor, I think lots of times is just removing that one little barrier or, or like you said, Emma, sometimes it's where do I start? Well, you're getting them started and then letting them go on their own, and then regrouping. And I've kind of bounced back and forth on technical teaching and mentoring in terms of removing barriers, because when I was less experienced, I wasted a whole lot of time with like very minute technical barriers to progress. 
And I thought if I just had somebody to just help me with this one thing, of course, we turn to Stack Overflow, we turn to Google. Um, but a lot of times those are insufficient or it doesn't work in your circumstance or whatever it is, get your question removed from Stack Overflow. And I thought if I had somebody to be that, take that roadblock out of the way person, I would have learned so much faster. And so I've tried to be that for other people. That being said, when I played the role of removing the barrier, oftentimes it almost makes it that too easy. And it's like, was there value in me having to figure my own way through that? And so I've kind of gone back and forth on like, should a, a mentor or a teacher be solving those minute problems on their mentee's behalf? Or should they just be giving like general guidance? I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know if they should necessarily give them the answer. I, I, this is my personal opinion, obviously, but I think the best way to help people learn is just to know how to ask the right questions, like know how to lead them to the right answer as opposed to just giving it to them. Mm. So if someone's stuck on debugging a problem, for example, ask them, you know, what have you tried so far? Why didn't these work? What other alternatives do we have? And if you clearly can see the answer, um, maybe just try to guide them to like with questions to understanding like just breaking it down because I feel like half the time you're struggling with a technical problem you just are overwhelmed you don't know where to start and by you know breaking that down you know maybe that's all they needed in order to to help solve that Mm -hmm. I also think one really um, important role of a mentor is to kind of give perspective because I think that uh, many people who are starting out, they may think, oh, you know, this whole thing where you think you're not good enough or whatever it kicks in. Well, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, exactly. And basically, many of the problems that you're facing as a junior developer, you still have as a senior or, you know, even further up. Just normal problems that you encounter, you just learn how to deal with them and to solve them and stuff like that. And I think that that is really important to hear for people starting out. Mm. So giving a little bit of a perspective. I'm curious what your two's relationship was with regard to mentorship because Khalil, you're here because mm. you, you had that, you played that role for Emma and you guys were set up. I don't know exactly what, how that went down. Was it a formal thing? Were you assigned? Did she, did you just say, Hey, I'll help you out? I'm curious what that relationship was like and what <laughs> y'all did. Cause she speaks very highly of that. I feel like it started as coffee chats. Like we yeah. literally would just like either like go for lunch or just drink coffee together. Well, it was also too because we started on the same day and I feel like we became friends quickly because well, we literally sat across from each other. But mm. he is more senior than I am in development years. And I was also transitioning out of a design team at IBM and onto an engineering team. And so like getting back into that, I had a lot of questions. I didn't understand like continuous integration. I didn't understand you know, all these legacy code bases. And so I think it started out, you know, um, with some technical questions, but then we just started like becoming friends over coffee and lunch. And then I think over time, we tried to formalize this into a proper mentorship, but it's mostly just about career conversations, I think. And I think why I appreciate our chats together is because it's a safe space. I think that's really important in mentorship is to have Mm. a safe space to talk candidly and to say things that are maybe politically incorrect or maybe they're just the wrong way to think about things and to be able to essentially be called out on those things but in a in a safe way um we've had a lot of those because when i started at log me and i was not on twitter khalil encouraged me to get on twitter he's actually the reason i am here today that's right <laughs> yeah he is he is go follow him she had 200 people following her <laughs> i did a year ago i had 200 followers and now i'm at 75 which is 
disgusting. 75 um, followers? No, 75,000. Put the order of magnitude there. So he is the reason for my success, and I will always speak highly of him. But I think, you know, he got to see how quickly that happened and the impact that that had on me because until that happened, I was very ignorant and, and privileged in ways I didn't understand. And so he's really helped guide me from a career perspective and also a human perspective on how to be more open-minded. So that's the long story from my end. I don't know. What's your story? Yeah. I mean, we started on the first, on the first day and uh, on the same day. And we, um, from my perspective, it was the same thing. Like we basically just became friends, started chatting about work and stuff like that and you started to talk about how you would like to um, blog more or start blogging or something like that and I think eventually you would have most likely gotten there by by yourself but I think that that a few of the things that I told you kind of pointed you in the right direction where to run basically in order to get your blogs out and where to put them because we were talking about um, I think you found medium you started posting medium uh, blog posts about technical mm -hmm. stuff, stuff that you learn and stuff. And I'm totally into that. Like I, I love blogging and I think that it's a really good thing for a developer to blog a lot and blog about what you learn and put that online, share that with everybody uh, because it's good for you because it gives you uh, something outside of your company. It gives you leverage for finding a better position at some point, right? If you do it well and if you do it uh, frequently, it gives you leverage that you create by yourself. You don't mm -hmm. need a company to give you that or give you a new position or a promotion or anything like that. It creates leverage. You, you, you can go into, like, it creates opportunities because other people can see you, can, you know, try to hire you, or you can say, I create all this stuff online, all this value, you can maybe have leverage in discussions internally as well in your company. So I think in general, it's good to, as a developer, have like a focused blog on development and stuff like that. And when I saw that she was interested in it, I was like, just talking to her about it all the time and sharing my ideas where I'm not blogging as much because I have a family and I don't really have all that time anymore. But mm -hmm. if I had the time, would I would do all that, but I've been thinking about it, it a lot because um, I've been f following certain like sources online and certain people who talk about that a lot and made me think about it a lot. And I, th I feel like the internet is one of these huge opportunities because it just, you know, self-publishing, self-promotion, like putting your brand out there, putting your blog out there, it just removes the middleman. There's no gateway that you need to go through. You just create your own blog and you post at your own merit and you just put stuff out. And if you do it continuously and focused, then it will get you somewhere. And so she started blogging on Medium and I was super excited. I saw that people were sharing her post on Twitter. And I was wondering, why is she not mentioned? Why is there no at mentioned Emma? And then I, I didn't find her Twitter. And I was like, Emma, why, don't, why are you not on Twitter? People are sharing it there. You know, there's a big community on there. You should just get on Twitter. And, she, and then she said, yeah, I have this Twitter account. Um, from high school, there are 200 people following me. I said, okay, well, make it a tech Twitter account. Put on there mm -hmm. that you are a developer, you know, you're Emma, and then link it with your medium and get it out. And then all this craziness happened because she was so prolific at putting out blog posts that were useful. I think especially for people who were starting out as well. There was like, uh, like early career advice and I think like a React tutorial and, and stuff like that. And she just kept it coming. And then she started also, and something that I really like to note is like, 
we had a conversation about that it's important to continuously post. So on your blogs, but also on your Twitter, if you want to really make it work for yourself, post every day, make it about tech, you know, retweet cool stuff, get into conversations with people that you maybe admire, that you follow and stuff like that, and get into these conversations. And she did a really good job at kind of editorializing her Twitter account where she was posting like jokes about like techie jokes, like developer jokes and stuff like that. And interesting posts, her own blog posts and stuff like that. That's something that she should just did by herself. And I think that worked incredibly well because I think one of these jokes was retweeted by somebody with tons of followers and everybody just started following her and piling on and stuff like that. So <clears throat> I was super excited to follow this explosion kind of yeah. on Twitter. And because because I've been, I've been sharing these thoughts with lots of people, but Emma's kind of the first one who really like took it on and, and made it her own and, and used them. And I'm super proud with, with, with what happened. This was really cool to see. And um, of course, with all this attention, there were, there were also some downsides coming with all this attention on Twitter and now dealing with all these people coming and asking questions and wanting stuff from her. So we had conversations about all these things and yeah. The hard things. You were good at keeping me in line and and rubber ducking things when I needed it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I appreciate that. And I, you know, we're going to jump into a quick break here, but I just, um, when we come back, we're going to talk about some things that make a good mentorship and some things that maybe could hinder your mentorships and then talk about how you can find a mentor in the tech industry. This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the simplest cloud platform for developers and teams with products like droplets, spaces, Kubernetes, load balancers, block storage, and pre-built one-click apps. You can deploy, manage, and scale cloud applications faster and more efficiently on DigitalOcean. Whether you're running one virtual machine or 10,000, DigitalOcean makes managing your infrastructure way too easy. Head to do.co slash changelog. Again, do.co slash changelog. All right, so let's talk a little bit about what actually makes a good mentorship. So, Khalil, from our mentorship, what do you think are some of the the characteristics about it that has made it so successful? I think... You already said it, basically. It was just uh, being candid and open and having a safe space to talk and just share whatever we can, you know, to improve the situation. Or There's also something that I dug out of that part that I think I should highlight, just hearing about how y'all got along and, and how it all went. It sounds like what happened, it seems very basic or obvious, but I'll just say mm-hmm. the quiet part out loud is that the mentee here, which was Emma, she took your advice and she executed on it. Yeah. And that can be rare. And that's definitely something that makes a good mentor-mentorship relationship, right? Exactly. It sounds like an obvious thing, but the mentor has a lot to offer. That's why that person's the mentor. You know, to be honest, whenever I told her something where I thought, okay, this is a nugget, this is a gold thing. If she does that, there's going to be some stuff going on. In the moment, Emma was always like processing. I could see she was processing, but 
I always had the feeling, ah, she's not going to do it, you know? And then she came <laughs> back like the other day and said, oh, okay, I set up this blog. Oh, and what she also did, for instance, is um, on Medium, I told her about publications back in the day. That was a thing. You could create your own publication, even with your own URL. And I was like, yeah, make your own publication, you know, like put a URL there. And so you can always link everybody to your blog post. But instead, what she did is she checked out publications and saw that there's other publications out there that um, have a lot bigger audiences and you can kind of uh, pitch your blog post there and did that a bunch of times. And then those blog posts, they were happy to take it because there's not a lot of people doing that, I guess. I don't know. And also, of course, they were, they were great blog posts. Right. I think it's pretty easy to get into those publications. And then through that, she had um, a huge reach and also blew up. That also helped to blow up her thing. And it's something that, I, I don't know, Emma took some of these tips and just really dug into it and made it really her own and executed it in a great way. And that's, I think it's a really great point is that the execution, but it also needs a, a good match because at the end of the day, she was also somebody who just needed those specific tips that I was also constantly thinking about, you know? So the match was just, by chance, was really good. Because there's, of course, some people that, um, you know, maybe want to have want to have that leverage that a blog could get you, but they're not interested in blogging, for instance. And then you can give them those tips all you want, but they're not going to do it because it's just not their thing, you know, which is also completely fine, but there's not a good match. Mm. Yeah. And I think, too, we forget that, like, like if a mentorship is not benefiting you, it's okay to amicably part ways yeah. and I think there's like a stigma around like leaving a mentorship and I find that most of the time you just like end up ghosting each other which is not good mm -hmm. but there's no shame in in both of you evaluating whether or not this is still beneficial and when it's not that's totally fine but I do think as the mentee you by default should be leveraging um, more of the work right because the mentor is the one giving their time and their experience to you and as a result you should one of the things that I notice is when I receive mentorship requests it's generally very open-ended it's will you be my mentor and I don't think that's a great way to approach a mentorship I think the best way is have clearly defined goals have skills that you want to learn find someone who is an expert in those areas because when I get requests for technologies I don't no, it shows me that obviously I'm not going to be a good fit for this mentorship, right? So make sure you're, you're asking the right person, but have those goals defined because the best chance that you can possibly have is by saying, hey, I want to learn React and I want to learn Redux. Can you help guide me or can you give me code reviews? Um, if you're very specific about that, people are more likely to give you their time. Another thing that you pointed out, which I think is another maybe obvious thing, but worth stating is that you guys had chemistry and there was like there was friendship and there was mutual respect and that just doesn't always happen. A lot of mentorships that are less formal, like I've had a mentorship, uh, he was my boss. Like that's a very natural mentorship scenario. It's like, I didn't ask him, will you mentor me? It's like, he's my boss and I was with him every day for years and he taught me a bunch of stuff. And sometimes it's an older sibling. Sometimes it's a friend, a senior, somebody more senior in the same industry. And these things happen naturally. I think when you're not in a circumstance where a mentorship happens organically or naturally and you're like, hi, hand up, I need a mentor because, you know, we don't all have that circumstance. You don't happen to be assigned with the right person in your first day of work. The chemistry does have to be a part of it. I think of a successful mentorship, that mutual respect, the mentee being willing to listen and apply what the mentor says, test it out. Maybe not everything they say is correct, but you're at least giving them enough respect that you're going to try their ideas. 
And uh, in the case of Emma and Khalil, like Emma took Khalil's idea and she tried it and then she extended it and mm-hmm. took it even further than maybe he thought. And that's a, a beautiful thing. But it's a lot like a matchmaking scenario with a friendship or with a romantic scenario where it's like not every combination works. And like you said, Emma, if it's not working, you, know, you have to be able to say that. Otherwise, you're just forcing something that's never going to make sense. So here's also something that I learned from the relationship with Emma is that there is actually something like formal mentorships. That's something that I've never thought about. Like I said, like for me, mentorships was mostly accidental stuff that I read on the internet or videos I saw and stuff like that. Because that's also only possible because for web development, there's just an abundance of that, right? But for me now thinking about leveling up in my career, I'm also actually the first time in my life really thinking about, huh, maybe I should figure out if there is you know, a mentor for leveling up from where I am right now. And um, just, I think that's a really cool thing just to, to realize that there's that option, you know? I never really did that before. Same here. It was always circumstantial. Like, to actually yeah. think, I never once thought, what I need right now is a mentor until recently. And I hear it in other industries as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I dabble in learning about real estate. just interests me. And like a lot of the advice that people get is like, get a mentor. And it's like, right. Yeah, that makes total sense. You know, like <laughs> so even just like people transitioning from one career to the other, it's not like a older, younger mentorship that I'm used to, where it's like a life mentor. It's more like, yeah, maybe we're peers. Maybe I'm older than the person who's mentoring me, but mm-hmm. like a formal, this is a mentorship. It's for this purpose. Here's what we're hoping to get out of it. I mean, I never thought about it in that context either. So that's interesting. That's nice. When you formalize it too on the mentor side of things, they have something to add to LinkedIn. They have something to put on their resume. Like it's also beneficial for them. And especially at a lot of companies to level up, you do need to have a formal mentorship. At IBM, it was part of the actual promotion process. You had to meet specific like guidelines to get promotion or be considered. And you know that was one of them. So there are definite benefits to actually being a mentor. And I guess I want to ask, like, how can someone go find a mentor? Because it was really easy for us at work because we started on the same day and that was wonderful. What happens when you work remotely? Or maybe, like, you know, your job doesn't help you find a mentor. Like, where can you go? It's a good question. I think that one really good thing that people often forget is uh, meetups. Mm. It's like if you want to level up as a programmer, just that. Just go, you know, find meetups within the space that you want to level up in and then meet other people that are interested in it and are passionate about it and talk to them. And you could also, you know, maybe find somebody who can mentor you, of course, you know, but definitely just connecting locally with the people that, that have the same interests. Because we're doing JS here, so the city Karlsruhe is where we work and, and, and the JavaScript community meets up at JS. And there was this really cool thing that happened. I think men- mentorship when I think about it, often has to do with the right advice at, at the right moment in time, you know, and it doesn't have to be formal or anything, but if you can just support somebody, if you feel like, hey, this person now needs to hear this, just go and, and tell them that. There was a really nice thing happening where this, this guy, he um, immigrated from China and he's, he's studying currently um, computer science in Karlsruhe and he came, he sent us an email he wanted to talk about a React framework to make command line interfaces with React and stuff. And he sent this 
crazy outline in his mail and we're like, Oof, of course you can talk about this. You know, like we never get these kind of abstracts sent in. Like it was really cool. So, so he gave his talk and he said that was his first talk ever in life, ever. And he totally killed it. You know, like he's from China. Like he speaks English really, really well. And just his presentation skills, storytelling skills and stuff like that was really, was, I was so impressed. And I was like, this is your first talk? That's amazing. You really have to go take this talk and present that somewhere at a big conference or just send it in to some conferences and stuff like that. And everybody, you know, at the meetup was also like cheering him up and stuff like that. And we saying, hey, you really got to do this. This is really cool. And he just sent me an email uh, a few days ago. And he was saying that he sent it into for React Day Berlin or something like that. And he forgot about it. And then he got it, you know, he got a response back and he's going to talk there and stuff like that. And he's like, so super happy about it and uh, that he got the chance to talk at JS and stuff like that. Those are like so, you know, moments that are so nice. And I think meetups is a really great place. That's another good thing is like if someone is helping you, if you have a mentor that is helping you in some way, like give them appreciation because I received a similar email. Yeah, I think it was customized to me because um, it had some additional, you know, things about what I was doing in particular. But if someone is giving you something, whether it's time or like you're learning from them, like tell them like you have nothing to lose and it makes people feel so good. So, yeah, I'm going to do like a shameless plug, not because I want to promote my thing, but because I think this is going to be helpful for people if you do work remotely or if you cannot find a mentor. I noticed this issue a year ago and I asked the Twitterverse and the Twitterverse spoke that mentor, like a mentor website. (laughs) The Twitterverse spoke. I like that. Like having a a website for free mentorship um, would be beneficial. So a year ago, I started an open source project it has exceeded my expectations and I've heard so many wonderful things. It is free, which is the best part. So if you are looking for a technical mentor, um, it's called Coding Coach. Um, you can go find a mentor at mentors.codingcoach.io. Everything is free. So you can search for the technology you want or the person you want or what country they're in, depending upon if you want like a video call mentorship or an email mentorship. And you just essentially create an account. You apply, which is basically just contact them. And um, yeah, you that's one of the easiest ways to find a mentor. We have, I think, 512 mentors who give their time for free now, which is amazing. Mm. And we have over uh, 3,000 people in our Slack organization. So if you get stuck on like a technical question, like just jump on our Slack channel and ask and someone will help. So if you're struggling, check out the show notes. Like we'll add it in there. It's not for shameless promotion. I just, I genuinely want to help people and I can see that we have helped people. So if you're struggling, check it out. That's awesome. Absolutely. Especially the free aspect when it comes to accessibility, you know, just the availability of it to anybody despite their current financial life circumstance, you know, have access to that is an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. What do those mentorships look like? Is it up to the people? Like how it actually looks and works? Because it's a formal Mm -hmm. thing. All my mentorships have been informal. So I don't know, like, is there guidelines of like, well, here's how it works. There's a once a week meeting, we have a Zoom call, or is it all like emails? I'm just curious how a formal mentorship looks like. We don't have um, like hard and fast rules because I think it's important to let 
the mentorship have a flexibility. We do have a Google Doc that I've been meaning to turn in like a free ebook or a free PDF of like guidelines, but we have mentorship guidelines. So as a mentee, what are the things that are expected of you to be a good mentee? As a mentor, what are the things that you should do? how to actually end a mentorship but not burn bridges. So we'll link that in the show notes as well because we have put that together um, from people in the community. And, you know, there are other, like, initiatives that we want to employ as well. Um, We do have a very strict code of conduct, so we want to make sure that um, our mentorship system is not being abused in any way. We want to make sure everyone's comfortable. But, yeah, we just generally leave it open because everyone's different and everyone's going to have different requirements, whether that's, you know, they can only meet, you know, once a month or, or maybe even chat over email. So uh, we'll link all that in the show notes. But uh, but yeah, I think having like read through the guidelines if you're kind of unsure how to approach this. So what's happening with coding code? What direction is it going in? Because I think it took different kinds of forms. So I have a core team of two. I have two wonderful engineering leads, um, Mosh Fu and uh, Chris Velvilla. And one works at Wix as an engineer and one works at Envision as an engineer, which is super cool. Cool. And they have been really, I could not be here without them. I've given them a lot of leeway. And they're taking it and they they set up an entire database. Originally, it was just like open source on GitHub with no backend. So it was just all about like package JSONs and opening pull requests. And mm-hmm. like they made a cool CLI tool. But they're kind of running the entire repo. They've, you know, spearheaded it getting the database hooked up. So now that we have a database, we can actually create accounts. Mm. And I think the next step is actually doing this mentorship matchmaking. Like I always joked about like Tinder for mentorships, like tell me what you're looking for and we'll find you someone that matches this criteria. And that's going to be, I think the next step is like, all right, I know I want a female engineer. I know I want someone in, you know, the German time zone and I want to learn Ruby Mm. and be able to input those three parameters and have it give me like a perfect mentor would be... That'd be the next step, I think. Mm. That sounds really cool. Let's take one more break. And when we come back, let's just talk about maybe some cool things that we're learning. How often do you think about internal tooling? I'm talking about the back office apps, the tool the customer service team uses to access your databases, the S3 uploader you built last year for the marketing team, that quick Firebase admin panel that lets you monitor key KPIs, and maybe even the tool that your data science team had together so they can provide custom ad spend insights. Literally every line of business relies upon internal tooling, but if I'm being honest, I don't know many engineers out there who enjoy building internal tools, let alone getting them excited about maintaining or even supporting them. And this is where Retool comes in. Companies like DoorDash, Brex, Plaid, and even Amazon, they use Retool to build internal tooling super fast. The idea is that almost all internal tools look the same. They're made of tables, dropdowns, buttons, text inputs, and Retool gives you a point, click, drag and drop interface that makes it super simple to build these types of interfaces in hours, not days. Retool connects to any database or API, for example, to pull data from Postgres, just write a SQL query and drag and drop a table onto the canvas. And if you want to search across those fields, add a search input bar and update your query, save it, share it. It's too easy. Retool is built by engineers explicitly for engineers. And for those concerned about data security, Retool can even be set up on-premise in about 15 minutes using Docker, Kubernetes, or Heroku. Learn more and try it free at retool.com slash changelog. Again, retool.com slash changelog.
right, so before we talk about some of the cool things we're learning, we're gonna I'm gonna kick it over to Khalil to just talk about when it's when is the right time to end a mentorship? Like how do you know when the time has come to like gracefully part ways? Before I started working in in tech, like having a really uh, a real job job, I was doing music, was touring and and recording stuff. That was my main job. And um, how I got into this was that I was doing it on the side during high school or uh, university. And I made a demo CD and sent it to the labels that I knew that were releasing that music in Germany. And I was trying to find, I actually, back then I said, I want a mentor because I want a mentor to help me, you know, figure out the music business thing and all that stuff. And I was really convinced that I need, like, without a mentor, I will not get anywhere. So that was like super important to me at that time. I was like, I don't know, 22 or something like that. And I, I sent off that demo CD and we had CDs back then still. And, um, <laughs> and what are those? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and so the, the only label that responded back positively was the label that I was most excited about because it was the, the label in Germany that was doing, you know, the genre was dancehall music. It's a Jamaican thing. And um, they were the, the first ones that really worked with, with the, the coolest dancehall artists from Jamaica. They had their own kind of like web magazine outlet where they had interviews with those people. And back then it was like the first place where you could, if you were a fan, it was a, the first place like in Germany where you could really read about that. So I was, that was my thing. Like I was completely super excited about that. It's positive response. I went there and I was able to record in the studio there and the guy who ran that place he became my manager my producer my mentor for a thing and i did it for like four years and we did a lot of cool stuff we did some you know recorded some some stuff released a lot of music and we toured a lot in europe and stuff like that but it ended up not being a really good it just business wise it didn't pan out but i learned later later on that Mistakes that were made had a lot to do with my mentor um, not really knowing or not really being a good businessman, you know, not really understanding the music business as well as he should have. I was kind of blinded by, you know, oh my God, it's that label, you know, and they right. do all this. I was kind of blinded by that. And I was, I blindly believed everything. Looking back, there were a lot of um, kind of red flags, you know, on the back of my head that were going up every now and then. And, but I just completely ignored them. And I think my lesson from that is it's important to tell myself, never tell myself that I definitely need a mentor to get ahead. Like that's the only way to get ahead. I think that's the wrong message, you know, for, for yourself. That's kind of what I learned from that because there were a lot of things where I felt like I didn't agree with what was done or decisions were made or decisions in the studio that were made. That now, looking back, I know those were the wrong decisions and I was the one who was right, you know? And it also means like believing yourself a little more. So I think that's also something that's really important. That's really, you have to yeah. have like a basic belief in yourself and your gut. You need to trust your gut a little bit. And then it's easier to get out of a bad mentorship situation, you know? Because if it's like your superstar developer that you know being mentored by, and you and there's some you know, 
it's important to not be blinded by that and just mm -hmm. make sure that it's a healthy relationship and that it's really you're really learning the right things and that you don't have any red flags going up in your head and the back of your head and stuff like that. I think that's that's important. That's something that that I took from that relationship mm. in the past. Sounds like hard learned advice that <laughs> we would all do well to pay heed to. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like you need to listen to your gut. Like if you're not fully comfortable or like something feels off, like it probably is. And yeah, I think that's interesting to think that like just because someone is well known, you know, that they have a lot of followers, like you just automatically assume that they're going to be a great mentor. And it's like, you need to also understand how to be a great teacher and a great communicator. And same people just aren't. I had a, a professor in, in college who was on paper one of the smartest people you would ever meet. And unfortunately, you know, he just didn't understand how to teach. And so, like, you can't look at someone's credentials and just assume that they're going to be a great teacher for you, for your learning style. So it's, it's always important to reevaluate. Yeah. Amen. Interestingly, the person who, who made me realize how deep in the I was actually back then was my wife, who really in many ways became a mentor to me in many things. Like when it comes mm. to, to business, when it comes to writing, she's a really good writer. I'm learning a lot from her. So big shout out to my wife. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Khalil's wife. And I think shout out to having a relationship, a trusted third party that can often spot a toxic relationship better mm. than the people inside that relationship because you're just, you're, you're in the fog of war, so to speak, right? Like you're too close to the problem and there are red flags, but because of the compromised position of like, you've asked this person for help and you are a junior to them maybe, or, you know, they're famous or they're respected, like all these different things, you give them benefits of the doubt that, you know, like Emma said, trust your gut, but sometimes you just don't trust your gut having your wife there to help you and say, Hey, this is, <laughs> this is not healthy mm -hmm. uh, is hugely valuable. So exactly. Mm, absolutely. I think that felt like a really nice closing to this entire mentorship conversation, but we're not done yet because I want to talk very quickly. Give us like a, like a two minute spiel on like something cool you've been learning. So Cleo, what's something cool you've been learning? So I think the coolest, one of the coolest things is related to design systems and how you can implement them or how, how you can implement the rules of a design system with uh, react components and component libraries and, I do really like this Chakra UI kind of, I don't know how to call it, like it's a component library, but it's also kind of like a baseline for your own component library that implements all these cool little patterns where basically if you, for instance, there's the stack component where you can, if you have in your UI uh, for your application, you want to stack some stuff. Basically, you can just tell that you, you have that stack component and you give it some children that you want to stack on top of each other on the stack at the top. So uh, you give the stack component a prop where you tell the stack component, I want some spacing here. I want spacing two or three, which is means it's a multiple of, uh, that's the multiple of four pixels, I think is the default in this case, which is um, often used in this design systems. And it makes sure that it gives you, so it just renders it so that you have an even spacing everywhere and you don't never have to worry about removing a margin at the bottom or adding one or in between the things that you stack, it just takes care of all these things. And in the application that we're building at LogMeIn, we're using this, we've been using this for a little while now, and it basically made us 
so productive in writing UI and we're barely writing any CSS because it's m just more kind of declarative. It gives you opportunity to just take these components and pass it some props and, and make it so that it spaces nicely. And, and then you can put, you know, your styling, your theme on top of that. And that's something that for me is kind of really, it's a level up from what, what I've seen so far before. I really got into, into that also through Emma's work about design systems and, and her writing about it. I got into that a little more and we're, we're really using it in our application now. It's very interesting. There's some really cool stuff happening in that space right now. Yeah, and for sure. And we just did an episode about component libraries and design systems. It was episode 102. So if you've been listening to that, go check it out. And we'll link Chakra UI down in the in the show notes. I haven't had a chance to look into it yet. Maybe I shouldn't say that because I guess I'm supposed to be working with you on building it. Uh, <laughs> but I will get there. I will get there. Yeah, something I'm learning, I guess this also kind of relates to design systems because motion is part of design systems, motion and animation. I've been learning about React Spring because I want to, next year I'm going to do some conference talks about um, micro animations, micro interactions, and how we can use them to um, enhance perceived performance for, for wait times. Uh, it's really good for user experience. And React Spring is an incredible library. And I want to give a shout out to Scott Tolsinski. Tol I can't say his last name. I apologize. From Level Up Tutorials. And I've been taking his course on React Spring and I am like totally in love with it. So if you're looking for an animation library that's physics-based, by the way, it's physics-based, not like timeline keyframe-based, go check it out. We'll link that as well. Jared, what about you? What do you have you learned anything fun in the last several months? Goodness gracious. So I have been knee deep in Adobe software products the last few months, which is like, is that exciting? Is that new? Is that interesting? <laughs> I wouldn't use any of those words. That being said, I mean, I've been doing a lot more audio editing. I've been doing a lot more uh, like I'm learning After Effects. So I find myself on YouTube mm. looking for mentors. Uh, trying to figure out how to do like the most basic things and get things done. So it's, it's been a departure for me from coding all day every day to trying to do like creative things with and related to code. So I haven't learned any new like software things. That one concept I came across recently, which I thought is interesting, I would like to apply in my work and my life, is this idea of the Moscow method, which is really a prioritization framework. So when it comes to like how to pick what to do next, you know, some of the, sometimes that's a huge issue. And I know that. Uh, for me specifically these days, I have a thousand little things to do more so than like one big thing. And so prioritization is a struggle. Like what is the most important thing right now? So there's this blog post from Browser London, which I'll link up called The Power of the Moscow Method, which is basically a prioritization framework. It kind of like lives in the agile planning, kind of weird, you know, project management -y space. But I take all these things and apply them personally and see how they work out. So the idea with Moscow is basically it's a weird backronym for must, should, could, and won't. And so the idea is you just like create these buckets for yourself, the must bucket, the should, the could, and the won't. And that's Moscow if you, if you like squint at it. And then you take all of your tasks or your stories or your whatever, what have yous, the things that you're trying to accomplish. And it's just a way of like really quickly like bucketing each thing. And you can do it on Trello board, you can do it however you're doing it. Um, you could do it on a piece of paper if you'd like to. And it just helps you quickly prioritize what you're going to do next, what really matters. And you can just compare them side by side. Seems like it's useful. Started to do that a little bit. It seems like it's pretty good. Um, so that I've been trying that as well. I wouldn't say I've been learning too much, but yeah, After Effects. Is that exciting? 
I think it is. I've always wanted to learn After Effects. Do you? Is it hard? Uh, for me, it is. Uh, audition was easier to understand because I think like just a simple audio, you know, editing and stuff is easier with After Effects. You're compositing different things, you know, video, audio, words across the screen, how they move. And, and for, for coming from a software background, it feels very manual and tedious. You know, I feel like if I was better at it, I would have like templates and like it, it's not dry. It feels very wet. And so I think maybe that's just my inexperience because I think the people who are expert at these things can like crank out animations and stuff. But for me, it's like very tedious at the moment, but it's a challenge. I think there is um, a library by, I think Airbnb. I don't remember the name. Lottie. Lottie. Is it that? It works with After Effects to animate things. Yeah, you can really? use, you, can, you, your, you take your After Effects animation and it makes a web animation out of it. Yes. Lottie. Uh, Lottie. I want to go the other way. I want to make a web animation. Yeah. <laughs> and create it and turn it into a, you know, well, I guess I already I could just take a video of it. Anyways, Lottie, Lottie is super <laughs> duper cool. I recommend checking it out. The problem is I didn't know After Effects. I'm curious, Jared, where did you learn it? Um, YouTube. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, saying where did you learn it assumes a few things about me. Like I've actually learned it, uh, nice. which I haven't. Like I'm still, <laughs> I'm still like dorking around. I'm trying to create like shareable snippets of our shows and stuff like that, and um make them a little stickier than the ones that I can produce quickly in like web apps. And so I'm learning it as I go. But yeah, I've just turned to YouTube specifically because it's free and quick and, and it's goal oriented. Like I can say, how do I do the, you know, how do I do captions in After Effects? And there's a video on that. Probably not the best way to learn it, but that's, that's what I've been doing. Nice. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you, Khalil, for joining us today. It was really nice to have you on. Thanks for having me. And thanks for also your input too, Jared. Yeah, let me say something real nice about Khalil for a moment. So I have declared <laughs> Twitter bankruptcy. Therefore, I no longer follow him. I don't follow anybody because reasons. Mm. But if you follow Emma, you're a fan of Emma, you're, which 75,000 people do. So high likelihood. Khalil tweets. Follow Khalil tweets. <laughs> he's, got, he's got great tweets. Uh, always funny, uplifting, uncovers weird stuff. Uh, complain sometimes in humorous ways. So I, I, he was one of my favorite follows back when I followed people. Awesome, thanks. And so, you know, go back to the OG. Emma is here because of Khalil. <laughs> I am. All of Khalil tweets. Come on. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you for tuning in to JS Party this week. Tune in live on Thursdays at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern at changelaw.com slash live. Join the community and Slack with us in real time during the shows. Head to changelaw.com slash community. And do us a favor, share this show with a friend. We're just an Apple podcast. Go into Overcast and favorite it. And thank you to Fastly, our bandwidth partner. Head to Fastly.com to learn more. And we move fast to fix things around here at ChangeLaw because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. We're hosted on Leno Cloud Servers. Head to Leno.com slash ChangeLaw. Check them out and support this show. Our music is produced by Breakmaster Cylinder. And you can find more shows just like this at ChangeLaw.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you.